Uh, turn to Titus, the book of Titus, chapter number 2, and we'll get on into chapter 3, and um, we'll pick up our reading. Um, well, we've covered, I think we've beat that to death. Why don't we just start in chapter 3? Is that okay? Start in chapter 3? We'll start in chapter number 3. And we'll work our way down through here. As I said this morning, I, my message that I had, in, had studied for um, is we'll pick that up tonight where the Lord uh, asks or says uh, that we should be ready to every good work. So, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, uh, put them, of course, now he's back uh, speaking to the preacher, telling him, um, Titus here, to put them, uh, the people, the uh, to be in mind, uh, put them in mind, to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. And so, uh, this is continuing on in our thought that we had uh, begun in looking at uh, the holiness here and the faithful. And um, uh, the Lord is instructing me uh, to put you and all of us in mind to be subject to principalities and power and obey magistrates. Now, <clears throat> this, I don't believe the, that this is the exact, uh, there's principalities and powers. You know what the Bible said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness, you know, in, in, in high places. I don't think that's talking about that here. I don't think it's talking about the unseen spiritual principalities and powers. I, I just have to believe it's just talking about the positions of powers that are ordained of God uh, and to be ready to serve them as is appropriate uh, and then obey magistrates. Now, again, I want to emphasize uh, in any uh, obedience to authority that we owe our ultimate obligation to God and His Word, right? So if they're going to tell me I can't pray, they're going to lose out on that one, right? I'm going to pray. Uh, they tell me I can't assemble together. I'm not a rebel for uh, doing, being wise and meeting together with people and having a pro public protest instead, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, there's things and ways you have to operate in uh, in our, to, uh, for us to be obedient to our government, we are to obey a, the Constitution and serve the Constitution, right? Faithfully. Um, we don't have kings over us who's a totalitarian type regime. We are a, uh, a republic, right? A constitutional republic. And so I say that just to say that um, some people say, well, you're supposed to just obey them if they take your guns. I'm not sure because uh, the Constitution says otherwise. So for me to be faithful citizen of my government, I'm not supposed to allow government to do those things. So uh, that's, a, that's a kind of a messy situation. It's the same thing with union jobs. I worked a union job for a long time and you get these verses in here talking about servants to their master. Uh, but um, I come to the conclusion that the, my company signed a contract with the union and that's how they want me to operate within the confines of those. Uh, I'm not trying to ramble, but it clears some things up if you struggle with some of those things. And 
so I don't have all the answers, but I try to look at it that way. For me to be you know, a good citizen of America, I am to honor and serve uh, under according to the Constitution, not, not, not a mob rule, right? Because the majority of this country thinks it's okay and that's the way we ought to go, doesn't mean that's the way I'm going, right? Um, same thing with our Bible. We are governed by the Word of God. And so uh, ultimately we are, we are to obey lawful authorities everywhere in the earth. And uh, that includes the church. Obeying them to have the rule over you. It's in our household. Uh, being obedient to your parents, young people. Uh, and, and for us also that are, that are adults. But uh, the Word of God reigns supreme, right? Anything contrary to the Word of God, I'm not going to obey that. I just can't because my allegiance is to uh, the Word of God and to the God of the Word. And so he ends this verse number one uh, and says, now again, this is for me to put them in mind. Um, and the reason that he can do that and say, uh, put them in mind is because he's already dealt with me. This matter of good works, uh, this will be the fourth time we've heard it. If we look in uh, verse, I believe it starts in, uh, I've got it written here somewhere. Verse 14, it says it again, zealous of good works. Uh, we've got um, in verse number one, it's, we've got it. And then again, uh, there's another place in which we have this good works, this idea of good works. And so anyway, he says to be ready to every good work. So I want to uh, just start there and talk about this uh, statement that is being made where I'm to exhort you to be ready to every good work. Now, I should be able to do that because I myself should be leaving a pattern of good works, Right. Wouldn't mean a whole lot if I wasn't too interested in doing good, but I was telling you to do it. Would that mean a whole lot to you? It'd be hard to swallow, wouldn't it? And so I should be leaving a pattern of good works and now exhorting you to be ready to every good work. To him that knoweth to do and doeth it not, to him it is every good work. And so I just want to take a couple of thoughts in this and ask this question uh, tonight as we think through this statement. Are you ready? Are you ready for every good work? Um, that's a good question uh, that the Lord asks uh, or that I'm asking that I feel like the Lord wants me to ask you. Uh, some people say, well, I'm ready for my work. Well, uh, for instance, uh, some people uh, say that uh, they're trying to get ready for uh, the mission field. Uh, they're trying to get ready to to preach or trying to get ready to do some work. And I'm not merely talking about that. I want to be ready for whatever the Lord wants to do with my life. Don't you? If the Lord wants to put me on the mission field, then I'd like to be willing to go to the mission field. If the Lord wants me to walk around the outside of the building, pick up all the suckers and wrappers and everything else and be faithful here and work and give and support and hold up the hands and do all those things. And I want to be faithful to do that also. And so whatever the Lord would have me to do, I want to be ready to do it. Don't you? And and uh, so we'll just think about this statement. And I say that because uh, just to give you a, a, a little bit of witness here on this uh, word ready. Um, it's also translated willing uh, in one place. Uh, the, 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 um, I had to give this to memory uh, for when Jesus was uh, teaching them, uh, talk, it was praying. And he said to them, uh, the flesh, uh, the spirit indeed is willing in one place. And another place it says the spirit indeed is ready. Right? But the flesh is weak. 
And so uh, this is used interchangeably sometimes, this, uh, this idea of willing. Uh, but uh, here it's meaning this. I, I believe this word ready is meaning both because it's, a, uh, it's meaning both a preparation and a purpose. It's meaning are you prepared for every good work and are you willing for every good work? Those things are uh, not just enough to be willing to do a good work, right? Anybody's willing to give a million dollars to the church if I had it. It's easy to give away money you don't have, right? I'm willing to give all kinds of money I don't have. If I got it, I don't know if I'd be ready to give it or not. See what I'm saying? So it's one thing to say, well, I'm willing to go to the mission field. Well, that's not what's being said here. I'm willing uh, to, uh, to give to this work. I'm willing to give to it. But that's not all that's being asked here. It's not asking us just to be willing to do something, not being willing to a good work. But what's being asked of us is, is are we ready to every good work? We'll say, what's the difference? Are you prepared to every good work? I'll give you, for instance, when I got saved, uh, my, I called my wife and explained to her what was going on, and she immediately turned around because I'm sure I was very clear. I've always had a good reputation of communicating well. And uh, <clears throat> so... <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to kill it before we even get started. And so uh, I don't think I explained to her all that was going on. I, I, I don't, she, she could tell enough I was tore up that God was doing something. And I had said to her, pray for me. And so she called my dad and my mom. They were all gathered together uh, having some kind of thing. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Uh, but I remember she called him and said, pray for Clint. Uh, God's dealing with him. Something's going on. And I don't know exactly everything, but pray for him. And my dad had this testimony. He said, well, I got the family together and he he said, uh, I, got to, I, I got to sitting down and go to pray. And he said, uh, God, it's like God smote my heart and said, well, who are you to come pray for your own son? You're a mess. You're in no condition to pray for him. And he wasn't. He hadn't, as far as I know, I've, I've, never, I've never seen him pray in 25 years. So he was in no shape to pray, you know, he was lost. Um, and so God used that to uh, speak to his heart that he wasn't prepared to pray for me. Uh, um, uh, so uh, what, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say all these things are so important. How many people uh, um, uh, get this idea? If the Lord wanted you to do uh, to, to to praise Him, that the the devil won't say something to you like, "Well, uh, do you know what you did this week?" Or you know what you thought this morning. Or you know what you said today. Or you know what you thought about doing yesterday. And so you don't do it, but you're not prepared. See, I, I want to live in such a manner. I don't want to give the enemy any ammunition against me to keep me from doing what God wants me to do. Uh, take giving, for instance, this, this idea uh, that I, uh, I've got several verses I could give to you. Uh, let me just give you one uh, here. The uh, it being ready to distribute. Uh, first, in First Timothy, uh, we won't turn to these. Uh, we might turn to a couple of them. Uh, but the Bible uh, talks about being ready to distribute. And, you know, in Corinthians, it talks about there must first be a willingness of the mind. And that's true. But there's a whole lot more when it comes to giving and doing something good and lending to the poor and giving to, to, to all. Offerings, there's a whole lot more than being willing to do it. There's times I sat in church and uh, Brother Jeff would open up and say, we need to take an offering for this situation. And I was in such debt. I didn't have the money to get. I was willing to, but I wasn't ready to. 
I didn't have the money to give. I am not going to get myself into a position by the grace of God where there's somebody that needs help and I can't help them. Well, I'm willing, but I'm not ready to. I'm not prepared to. See? So we've got to be good stewards. We can't allow anything into our lives that would hinder us from being ready to do any good work. That's what's being asked here, right? We've got to be ready to do it, not just willing to do it. You better be prepared to do it. There's preparation and there's purpose. There's the willingness is the intention to do good works. Is that not what he said? To purifying themselves, peculiar people, zealous of good works. This is beyond a willingness. This is a readiness to do good. Are you ready to do good? I need you to go over here and uh, there's, God touches your heart and you go in and pay for your gas and uh, something says something, uh, as you walk out the door, the Holy Ghost says, you, you need to go back in there and tell that man about Jesus. Anybody have one of those before? How many of you have ever disobeyed that little voice? Unfortunately, I have too. And uh, you know what 99% of the time is it was for me? It wasn't an ashamed thing. It wasn't that I didn't think I would have the words. I usually have too many words. That wasn't my struggle. My struggle is generally I don't feel worthy somehow because of something that I, a way that I've acted. Maybe I got upset. Maybe I got angry. Maybe I yelled at my children or maybe I acted in such a manner and I've given the enemy a, 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 a way to hinder me, to handicap me to where I can't do good work. Not because God won't let me. God wants me to do it. But I hinder myself. I'm not ready. And we've got to prepare ourselves to every good work. We've got to live in such a manner that at any moment and any time throughout the day, I am ready to do good, whoever it needs it. Not just willing to do it, but I'm available and prepared and ready to do good works, right? Because these things are profitable to people. And so evidently this is a problem that creeps up all throughout our life because he said, I don't want you to just preach this when you go in and you're establishing order at first. I want you to affirm these things constantly. I've gotten to a place where, uh, how many of you can identify with this? I've gotten so cold before, uh, if somebody's going to do good to them, somebody else will have to do it. I'm not even willing to do it. Come on now. And so I need somebody to come along and, tell, and, and remind me uh, uh, of some of these uh, great truths and say, man, I ought to be willing uh, to do good works. I ought to live in such a manner, though, that I'm ready to do them and follow through in action to do good. Right? And there's a plenty of them mentioned in the Bible. I, I just want to mention some of these and, uh, um, and just try to remember um, that, uh, yes, there's a willingness first in the mind, uh, but there also must come something else, a preparation that's involved in being ready to good work. So my question to you is, are you ready? What about right now? What about when you go home? What about when you get on the phone? What about you when you get to the job in the morning? What do you, don't let anything hinder you and keep you from being ready to do good. Here's uh, just as in this verse ready, you can go through the New Testament and I just put some of these together. I'm sure I missed some, uh, but um, this is uh, uh, just, uh, for instance, ready to give the gospel. Did Paul not say in Romans chapter number one that he was ready to preach to you that are in Rome also? Are we ready at any moment to give the gospel to somebody? I, I would say most of us would like to think that we are, but we, we usually don't, do we? Say, so, well, Paul was a preacher. I understand Paul was a preacher. Uh, I, I understand that, but that's not what I'm asking. All of us are to proclaim the gospel, are we not? 
All of us are to give the gospel out. Uh, all of us are supposed to be a witness, a light, uh, uh, you know, to those we work with, those we go to school with, those that we come in contact with every day. Uh, we're supposed to be a light to them. So let me ask you, are you ready to give the gospel to them? Well, I would like to, but they already know so much about me, I'd look like a hypocrite. Boy, that's a sad way to be. I, that's really, it, it really is sad to be that way. And can I tell you something? You don't have to continue that way. You'd be better off just walk right in there and say, look, I've not done y'all right. I've kept my mouth shut and I've not acted right. I've gotten mad. I've gotten angry. I've not witnessed to you. And I want to tell you something. God saved me. God has changed my life. God has been good to me and he's blessed me and I'm not ashamed of him. I'm ashamed of me often, but I'm not ashamed of him. You need to get saved. Give him the gospel. You know, and then, then make it a point to do that way and lose all your friends. You can do that, can't you? Because they'll get sick of eating lunch with you. You will be all alone. Are you ready to preach the gospel? It took Paul, now I'm not trying to take things out of context, but when we're talking about a preparation for a work, there's a readying time and preparation for a work. So I'm not trying to take that verse out of context. Paul spent three years in the backside of the desert to get ready, right? He received this gospel from no man. And uh, Moses, how long did it take him to get ready? Before God used him. Took him 40 years for God to get all of Moses out of Moses. He still had anger issues. <laughs> God, God, right? So let me ask you something. This matter of, uh, well, it's just all about Jesus. Now this matters. Oh, when you, start, when you start really whittling this thing down and you start looking at things, you and I both know that that's not so. There's a whole lot to this matter. Uh, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. There's several, there's two different reasons. There's one, so that it doesn't hinder you. But there's also the reason that we should live right so that it doesn't hinder others. He's going to get into that next and talk about the power of our testimony and evidence that changed. Uh, and, uh, but uh, we should let nothing hinder us from being ready to do every good work. We should uh, be involved in every one of them we can be. Every good work. Are you ready? Ready to give the gospel. In Romans chapter number 1, ready to every good work here in Titus 3. Ready to distribute in 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 18. These verses in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are just wonderful. I don't want to go to that. We, we've got a good giving church and, and I, I thank God for that. I really do. But uh, being ready to distribute. I don't, I don't like not having anything to give. Do you? I don't like getting myself in a position I'm not able to give to, 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 to uh, you know, uh, love offerings and things that are uh, done. I want to be, be able to give. If you're saved, you've got a heart that wants to give. I believe that. And uh, now, uh, be, are you ready to distribute? I'm just giving some good works here. Are you ready to give an answer? According to Peter said, give an answer, uh, ready to give an answer to any man that asks you the reason the hope that lies within you. Are you ready to give an answer? Would anybody ask you, do they see hope in you? That's a good question, isn't it? But are you ready to give an answer? You know what that would come from? I think but more, more in preparing just ourself and our character, I think there's more of a preparation in study. I think we're to study, don't you? I don't want to give them a hope so I can say, well, I got goose pimples that night and my hair stood up on the back of my head. That's not a reason for hope. I get goose pimples if I turn the AC down too low. That don't mean God was in it. I've had the hair stand up on, on the back of my neck uh, uh, see, uh, seeing something scary. That don't mean God was in it. 
And so, uh, not just in preparing ourselves and our character, but we need to prepare ourselves in the study of the Word of God. I'm going to tell you why I have hope, because of Jesus. Right? He's, he's God manifested in the flesh. He changed my, that's the reason of the hope. I've got a reason, and it wasn't because of my great faith. It was the grace of Almighty God that gives me hope. Right? Ready to give an answer. Are you ready to go where the Lord leads you? Luke chapter 22, verse number 33. I've got to be ready to feed the flock of God. Are you ready to die for the Lord? Acts 21, 13. That's a, most of us won't really live for him. I doubt we'd die for him. Wouldn't you say that's about right? I'd like to think I would, though, if our government continues in the wicked direction it's going. There could be, a, in our lifetime, we see that possibility. Or we'd die for what we believe in. It's already becoming very popular to, to free Palestine. It's becoming the new popular saying now. Free Palestine? Palestine doesn't even exist. It's a made-up name. The Romans gave them. It's not even a land. <laughs> They're not even a people. There are no Palestinians. They're Egyptians. <laughs> this is the craziest body. But this is what happens when, you, when the God of this world's blinded you. And so they think it's cool. To, we'll see how the Muslim Palestinians treat you when they win. Amen. God help us. It used to be, the popular thing used to be to support Israel. We stand with Israel. Remember that? Well, those were beautiful days. Ready to die for the Lord. Are you ready to be offered? Paul said he was ready to be offered. And then Luke chapter number 12 and Matthew and other places talks about being ready for his coming. Be you ready, he said, for an hour you think not. Are you ready for the Lord to come? If you, can I ask you something? I don't know about you, but here's what I believe the Bible teaches. I believe the Bible teaches that if the rapture of the church happens, you won't be running around looking for Bibles thinking about getting saved. I don't believe that. I believe you'll be sent a strong delusion, you'll believe a lie, and you'll be damned because you receive not the love of the truth. So if you're alive today and you're listening to me, that's why the Bible says today's the day. Now's the time. If you're not saved, if you're not ready, if you're not ready for Jesus to come, right now is the time to get ready. He could come at any moment. I hope you're ready to meet him. I've got a lot that I don't want to have to deal with. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about missed opportunities or could have win people to Jesus, told them about the Lord and things like that. I don't, I don't know all that, that deeds done in our bodies and whether they be good or bad and that trying and that fire. But I don't know about you. This much I do know. I'm ready to meet the Lord in the sense of where I'm going. As far as eternity is concerned, I'm ready to meet Jesus. Are you ready to meet Jesus? If you're not, can I ask you why? I'm not, I'm not ready to meet the Lord. I'm, I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, can I ask you why you're not saved? You ever thought about that? So, well, God won't save me. I don't know who you've been listening to, but you need to turn them off. He's not willing that any should perish. God will save you. I'd say the problem's probably more on your end. Yes, 
if I had to guess. I've been there. That's the reason I know. And I wasn't ready because I didn't want to give up anything. But you'll be glad you did. Why don't you get ready to meet the Lord? If you're not ready, I wish you'd, I wish you'd take things seriously and get serious about this matter. Because as we, we see the day approaching, I don't know about you, but it's closer and closer every day. The Lord's coming. And you need to get ready to meet the Lord. But not just, what about us that are saved? Are we ready? Are we ready to meet the Lord? So are you ready to meet the Lord? Ready to be offered? Then we should be ready in receiving the Word of God and the Scriptures according to Acts 17. So are you ready? It's my question to you tonight. Are you ready? I'm to put you in mind to be subject and all those things, but then I'm to put you in mind to be ready to every good work. You need to be prepared. Not just willing, but also prepared. All right, now let's go to verse number two and take just the remainder of our time and look at a couple of things here because um, that's more sober and, and serious to think about. Um, this is not something that will happen all at once. This is something every day of our life we have to be ready for every good work. So in verse number two, he's again still speaking to, the, to, to Titus and having him uh, to put them in mind to be subject because there's a comma at the end of verse number one. So this is continuing the thought here uh, to be ready to every good work and then to speak evil of no man. Verse number two, this is to defame, to slander, uh, to lie on or to mislead about. That's not a good thing to do, is it? It's not speaking evil of somebody for you to tell the truth. I do believe that. I believe there's places where Paul called people out by names, did he not? Told them the business, the town they were in. John's done it as well. God reward them for how they did and all those things. And So I'm for all of that. But sometimes just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. I think when it's talking here to speak evil of no man because the liberals use this against us when you try to call out sin. Right? If you, if you talk about uh, anybody, you know, and, and try to call out sin and, and, and publicly expose anything, we'll speak evil of no man. Well, I'm not speaking evil of them if they, you know, if they've, uh, uh, there's a reason for why I'm saying what I'm saying. There's, uh, just because it's true, though, doesn't always mean it needs said. Right? Because there's a lot of true things God could say on me that wouldn't be a very pretty picture. Right? <laughs> so if we're just saying it, and say, well, it's true. Well, it may be, but if it's just to hurt their character for no reason, then I believe that's speaking evil of somebody. And the Bible doesn't want to speak an evil. It says speak evil of no man. But we've got to keep it in its context because liberals like to use that to keep us from preaching on sin. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow them to do that. But here's what we do know. We can't just take things even that are true because I believe untrue things would be speaking evil of somebody. If I, if I told something that wasn't true on you, that'd be evil for me to speak evil of you just to damage your character. But even if it's true, I need to be careful about telling it. Why am I telling that to somebody? See, if I know something about Brother Reed and I just come over here to Billy and tell him about it and say, oh, Billy, you need to understand this about Brother Reed. Well, Okay, that was true, but what did I need to know that for? You know, it's kind of like, if I know something about Brother Mark, and I run over here to Joshua and say, uh, Mark, uh, Brother Josh, you better watch it. Brother Mark's done this, and he's done this, and oh, I heard this too. You better watch it. I really heard about this. Boy, that's dangerous, isn't it? What purpose? What are you serving? What purpose are you serving with saying that kind of thing? Boy, we got to be careful, don't we? Because we'll justify ourselves sometimes in saying, well, it's true. Well, 
I wonder what would happen if the Holy Ghost told everything true about you. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not speaking evil of a man. I'm thinking of a man right now who, uh, um, I need to be careful. I don't want to grieve the Lord. But I, I know of situations, let me, let me just say that. Um, I know of certain situations where, uh, well, you're always stuck in a corner. I'm about tired of this online thing. I'm going to cut this online stuff off. Uh, I've had people do me this way. Um, I've had people tell me about certain situations, certain ministries, uh, and tell me something that that man had done in that ministry. And I appreciate them telling me that. That's not speaking evil of them. I'll give you a for instance, okay? This would be, this would be easy here. Uh, here's a for instance. Uh, there was a man who used to be married before, and he was divorced and remarried, but went around and promoted himself as though he was in his first marriage. And he preached right alongside men that we know and love and, and was in our circles, our camps, you know. And he would go out through there and he would preach against being married and divorced and remarried and, and uh, all that. And uh, so, but he would present himself in that light like though he was against all that and had come to find out he was divorced and remarried as a, as a young man. And so somebody called me and told me about that and I appreciate them doing that, Brother Reed, because I wouldn't put them in the pulpit. And I, I, I don't want to be misled, but I'm, I'm not going to. Now, I think less of him for lying about it all them years. I certainly do. That says a lot about his character. But I, I, don't, I don't hold a situation against somebody. He rises and falls to his own master. But I have that conviction. I don't want him in the pulpit, and I don't want to not know about it. I, I want to know about it, don't you? But, I, but, I, but see, so that man telling me that was not speaking evil of him. Is that a good example? To, that's not speaking evil of somebody. You just need to be aware of it, Right? I mean, if somebody uh, uh, has those kind of things going on. And so we just, we just need to be careful of why, why it is that we're saying what we're saying. If you're trying to protect someone or if you're trying to, in a situation like I said, keep me from making a mistake, that something that might uh, offend my conscience, uh, things like that are okay. But just to slander people because of things you know about them, that's speaking evil of people, even if it's true, I believe. And so we just need to be careful about those things. It can be, it can be very difficult. That's why I guess the Bible is always instructing us to be slow to speak. Or, or what is one man said, study to be quiet. Amen. <laughs> why is it when you get in a conversation and there's something that's not being said, does anybody else have a problem? They feel like they just have to say something because it's awkwardly silent. <laughs> We'd be better just to go on and quit talking, I guess. We run out of things to say. It'll end up turning into saying something you wish you wouldn't have said, and just better just go on. I know because I may have been there before. I don't know. Let you figure that out. All right. Verse number two to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle. I've, I tell you, I struggle with that one there. I wasn't raised very gently, my nature is not gentle. I'm like a bull in a china shop. You ever heard that one? And I'm just, Brother Reed, I just way I just rip the band-aid off. That's the only way I know to do it. We can sit here and make you feel nice about it and say, well, you know, I understand. And I, look, just rip it off. Get it over with. You know, if you're if you're if you're being dumb, you're being dumb. I don't know what else there's any other way to put it. <laughs> I'm trying to learn from Brother Jones some, find out better ways to put that. He could eloquently tell you you're dumb. I can't. <laughs> Am I lying, Brother John Reed? He can do it. 
He preached a message at that Bread of Life camp meeting. He was preaching from Jeremiah. He preached on these prophets that are running, but I didn't send them. You remember there in Jeremiah when he was talking about their, uh, they're not turning their people from their evil ways. And I reached over to Tyler and I said, if we've ever amen him, we better amen him now. And uh, I thought, this is going to get ugly, take a text like that, you know. And man, at that time he got done preaching that, he was as eloquent, Brother Oliver, as I've ever heard a man put stuff, and still had people cutting pieces up there. It was wonderful. I'm going to learn it one day. <laughs> I kind of like that thing. I get in these services, I want blood and guts and snot and everything all over the walls. That's the way I like it. But it don't always have to be that way. You know, you can be gentle. Ah. I tell you, I need to do so much better about this, being gentle. I've been just as rough on my little ones and raising them and trying to keep them doing right and just trying to keep them on the straight and there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, daddies? Just been hard on them. And, and I, don't, I don't regret those decisions, brother, Oliver, I was thinking about. I don't regret those decisions that I've made to guide them, the ways that I guided them, but I probably could have done it a little gentler. But I think they forgive me. But hey, speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, that speaks for itself. Uh, we shouldn't have that kind of attitude in us, should we? Since we're online, I'm, I was, I know I'm moving slow here. But I've seen preachers act, I've I, I, I seen two preachers uh, one got, got into an argument, and and uh, and pa- I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about pastors of churches. Invite the other one out in the parking lot. I think you probably just ought to get you a job and do something else for a living. Don't you think? I don't. I don't that's not. That is not something that I want to follow. I don't want to brawl. It's not the way we're supposed to be, folks. It's funny. I make jokes and things about slapping people, but that's just a joke. That's, we can't have that kind of attitude, can we, as Christians? It's not the way we're all to be. Now, I'd be that for you if I had to be a guest. Somebody was hurting one of these little ones. I don't know. I'm not talking about that. This is, this is brawlers like that. They're discussing a situation, a doctrinal matter, and the other one said, well, uh, he said, I'll meet you outside or something. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. What a mess. <laughs> I'd hate to be his church member. <laughs> Be embarrassed to death. Yeah, yeah, we know some about that, don't we, brother? How sorry you got to be to be a pastor and and say to one of your members, "I'll find you if you don't answer me." How would you like to have a pastor like that? You know what I think I'd say? No, 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 no. I think I'd drop him a pin from Google. Here I am. No, no. See, that's exactly opposite of what we're going for. You're not praying for me enough, brother. <laughs> Sometimes I think brother Reed's down here going, "Lord, just help him. Lord, just help him." Oh me! But to be to be gentle, I. I, I, I tell you, I, just as your pastor, I want to be honest with you, I, I need to be so much better at this. And I, 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 as you get older, and I know you get older, but I don't want to wait till I get older uh, to be more gentler. You know, I want to do it now. I want to learn how to do that now. And um, I'm a lot uh, more gentle with these little ones. And, you know, my older kids are like, well, you'd have killed me if I'd have done that. And, and uh, 
So I hope that's a good thing, but um, we need to be gentle. You know, there's a way you can, you can lead people. How, how many, I don't mind you speaking straight to me and being pretty rough and straight. And I mean, I don't like to be fooled around with, with a bunch of nonsense. Just tell me where it's at, you know, lay it out. I'm okay with that, but you can do it gently. You can be gentle. Um, and so you're welcome to remind me of that tomorrow if you want to, but uh, be gentle. And, uh, and here's, here's what it says. Showing all meekness unto all men. I don't like that last part. I think, I, I think I'm okay with all meekness. I just don't like showing it to all men. Hello? It's easy to be meek to meek people. I've said that before, but I won't say it again. It's, I don't have a single problem in this world uh, being meek uh, and lowly to a man that's meek and lowly. But I got an awful hard time being meek to some prideful, arrogant punk. Do you? It's hard to do. But the Lord, the Lord wants us to do that. Show all meekness to all men. Now, it's just a little bit different here that I feel like we're... So this is, this is a follow-up on the heels of that. Can I just, let's just take a couple of minutes. It's 6.58. Let me just take a couple of minutes and let's go on into verse 3. I really, I won't, I won't go at this too long because there's a couple of things about this that I want to look at. Okay, so verse number one, put them in mind. He continues the thought on down through verse number two, uh, telling us how we should conduct ourselves, being subject, obedient, uh, being ready, speak evil of no man, don't be a brawler, be gentle, and show all meekness unto all men. And this is the main ones that he's concerned about. The all men, uh, uh, what kind of men in verse number two? Well, the kind of men like in verse number three. I need you to be meek towards people that are foolish. Showing all meekness to men that are disobedient. Show meekness unto people that are deceived and that serve divers' lusts and pleasures. Showing all meekness to men that live in malice and envy. Be meek to hateful people. Boy, that'll be tough. Because I was told about the only, uh, the only thing people understand is violence. Words don't get you nowhere. <laughs> but that's not so. You've got to be meek. You've got to be meek to people that are hateful. I kind of like to, I'm, I'm more in the Old Testament. I like this eye for an eye business, don't you? So if you want to be hateful, we get two, two demons in the flesh here before it's over with. I can get hateful the best of them. But uh, that's not what he wants out of us, does it? See, see here, well, there's, there's a couple of things to this. Why, why is that? Why, why would God uh, want me uh, to live in such a manner? Well, there's, there's, there's two reasons. Number one, because that reflects his character. Does it not say to walk worthy with the vocation wherewith we're called? So we, we need to live differently. See, he's describing not just lost people. I don't believe verse number two, uh, excuse me, verse number three is strictly lost people, though it does categorize lost people and I, uh, in its context, so I don't, it, it doesn't matter. But here's what I do want to say. I do want to say this, uh, that the, the reason the Lord wants us to live differently and to rise above instead of being hateful with them, show all meekness to them. That's uh, uh, to, to come out from among them and be peculiar. Anybody can get hateful back. That doesn't take nothing. Right? 
But it takes some God about you to show some meekness towards somebody when they're hateful to you. It takes some God about you. Some real self-denial. Well, why does God want that? Because some people need somebody to be hateful to. I believe we've got so many, a lot of these arrogant young people is because they won't let people whoop you in school anymore. You got hateful with a teacher in y'all's days, somebody to tanned your hide two or three times at school and then you got home. And if that didn't work, uh, it might have been somebody's mama you was talking to and they'd catch you at the bus stop and break your jaw for you. And that'll put a lot of stop to it. Not all bullying's bad when it's done in the right manner to the right people that deserve it. No, I'm kidding. That's not, that's not, that's not what I meant to say. Lord, this is getting bad. Brother Reed, get down here and pray. No, right? But I mean, that, uh, <laughs> Lord, jeez. Oh, that's really how I think. I've got to fight against that because... Because when I see these little kids, when I see these teenagers back talking and cursing their mother, I think if you had a daddy like mine that rearranged your jaw for you, you'd stop that. That wouldn't, that wouldn't happen again. And uh, the reason they get by with it is because won't nobody check them on it. When I was at school, you go around running people down, picking on fights, somebody to oblige you. And you'd wish you didn't. But that's not God. That's just, I'm talking about the world here, okay? Don't be doing that. That's not what I'm talking about here. So the Lord, because that properly reflects his character, right? That's the way the Lord did. The Lord didn't go around speaking evil to people. He wasn't going around brawling. He very well could. He was very much a man. Was Jesus not very much a man? Uh, and so he didn't need to fight with his fists in order to do it. He was very much a man, but he was very gentle. He was very meek, was he not? He was obedient to the magistrates, was he not? He was obedient to them. He was ready to every good work. One man said he went about doing good. What the Bible said. So, I mean, this is a reflection of his character that we would be uh, like him and portray him properly in this world. Uh, but uh, but uh, also not just because that properly reflects his character and he deserves for us to live in that manner uh, to please him, but it also makes a big difference to other people, does it not? When you see somebody uh, that's being ridiculed or being beat down or whatever, and how they handle that thing, doesn't that speak volumes to you about them? That took God to do that, keep them from killing somebody. That just, man, I just took God for them not to fight back and defend themselves and how they've, how they've stood under that kind of load and pressure and still loved people and remained meek and lowly and humble. That says a lot about a person. Anybody can, anybody can go out there and start swinging and hitting and thrashing. Anybody can do that. But it takes a real man to be that way. And uh, here's the thing about it, no matter how tough you are, there's always somebody tougher out there. But man, this takes, this takes a real man to be able to do these things right here. And here's, here's the thing. Nobody will respect much uh, that, uh, that kind of spirit. But here's where they will respect people uh, that, uh, that are living this way, that are different from the world. And so when you tell them about Jesus, they'll see something in you. So it's, it's, it's to properly reflect the transformation, the transforming power of the gospel to the lost and the dying world. Isn't it not? It doesn't say a whole lot about uh, the salvation of God uh, for us to live ungodly like, like we used to. It's just not what it says in verse number three. So, so he's exhorting us to do that uh, to, to, uh, in verses one and two. And then he gives a reason as to why. And he says, for we ourselves also were sometimes, plural, foolish, disobedient, 
Can I say something here? I, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but can I say that a Christian can be foolish? That a Christian can be disobedient? A saved man can get deceived. A saved person uh, can uh, fulfill lusts and pleasures, can they not? A saved person can live in malice and envy. They can be hateful. Amen. They can even have hatred. So, I'm not trying to say, that's not the purpose of what, what I'm trying to say there. And, and I'm not saying, because, here's what I'm trying to get out. I don't think the purpose is talking about whether these people in that verse are lost or saved. I don't think that's the purpose of what's being said. Whether they're lost or saved is not my business. I don't know anyway. So it doesn't really matter if they're lost or saved. I'm still supposed to show meekness and gentleness and kindness to those people. And you sit there and say, well, I don't even know how they can be saved and act that way. Well, you're welcome to think that all you want to, but that's, that's beside the point. You still have a duty no matter what they are. Right? If it's a hateful Christian or a hateful lost man, you're supposed to still be meek. Boy, that's a lot. That's a high expectation, isn't it? Who's got that down pat? Lord, help us. We need that, don't we? I want to be that way. I know some men I believe just about are. I'm telling you, that's a good thing. Showing all meekness unto all men. It shouldn't be a problem for you to humble yourself and to show meekness with, uh, with people in our life that are foolish. Shouldn't be hard for us to show meekness towards people that are disobedient. If you'll remember, before God found you, you were disobedient too. And can I say this? Since God's found you, you've been disobedient. And you know what? He still loves you. Hallelujah. So it should, you know, we'd be, we'd be, we'd be well, it'd be, it'd do a swell uh, to, to, to think about these things a lot of times and remember uh, that uh, God's not asking anything unreasonable for us to do uh, because uh, I believe the Lord showed meekness and gentleness and kindness to you when you were foolish and disobedient and deceived and when you were serving divers' lust and pleasures. It's hard. Does, it, does anybody, especially your kids, uh, I don't know about you, mom and dad, uh, but especially my kids, I, I, I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know better. Why are you disobedient? You know better than that. Well, they come by it pretty honest, don't they? That don't excuse y'all's behavior, by the way. But I am saying this. We ought to, we ought to back up and think, well, we've been there too, haven't we? We get out here in the world and we see these, we see these women, you know, and they, they're dressing like men and they're, you know, LGBTHZ and all that stuff or whatever they are and, you know, and all this other stuff. And I, I, folks, I'm against that. You know I'm against that. But we can't let ourselves get mad and violent and rageful and vengeful against it and belligerent and mean. And I've seen that, uh, that uh, Somebody help me with that pastor that you listened to not long ago, years ago, and I told you about, what's his name? Stephen Anderson. There's one for you. If you listen to him, you've, you've gone off, you've derailed. Please don't listen to that man. He said, what, are you going to pray for, for, for Sodomites? He said, no, I'm going to pray that they die and burn in hell. That's what he said from his own pulpit. God help us. I hate that he's got the name Baptist on his sign. He don't identify with me. I'm nothing like that man. I don't believe that. 
That's not showing all meekness and gentleness and all men. If it wasn't for the grace of God, he'd be a sodomite. Wasn't because he is who he is. Anyway, I know I'm rambling, but here's what we got to remember. When we're dealing with people, you young people especially, I, I, I've talked to you some, you've been talking about witnessing the people, you know, at school and stuff. And it gets so frustrating because you look at them and you think, why can't they just see it? Right? They can't see it. You couldn't see it either. Right? I couldn't see it either, Brother E. When people would just look at me and think, Clint, can you not realize what a beautiful family you have? And can you not see how God's been good to you? Can you not see the gospel? Could you? No, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. Why are you so disobedient? Why are you so rebellious? I couldn't see it. <laughs> so God helped me to be short and hateful and um, despiteful or whatever. Spiteful, I think is the word I want to use, uh, towards people that are acting the same way I used to act. Shouldn't that, shouldn't that make it easier for us to be long-suffering and gentle and meek and all those things? Now, I'm done, and I, I want to get back to this to this thought because I think it needs some more follow-up to it. So put them in mind to be subject, to obey, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. And so help us. And I won't get into that next part yet because it's 10 after. And I think we need to be done. So let's just end tonight and asking ourselves that question. I always think about when Paul said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto thee. And that verse right there is, is it. Not just am I willing, but am I prepared and ready to every good work. In order to do that, you're going to have to, what was played this morning, surrender all. You're going to have to keep back nothing in order to be ready to every good work. So if you're holding anything back and say, well, I don't mind to do this, but I'm not doing that, all those things, let the Lord have His way in your life. Just lay it all down at His feet and surrender everything to Him and, uh, and you'll never be sorry you did. The only thing I've regretted is not surrendering more to Him. Lord, I love you. Thank you for being so patient with me as a, as a person. Not just as a preacher or a pastor, but just as a Christian, as one of your children. You've been so patient with me and so gentle. And Lord, I pray that you'd forgive all of us where we've not returned the favor. We've not paid it forward. We've not been as gentle to others as you've been to us. And it doesn't mean we should be passive people, Lord. You never... Or passive with any wrongdoing of mine. But I thank you for how that you've dealt with me in, in wisdom and gentleness. Help me to do that. Help me to love others in that same way, knowing myself also was sometimes foolish and disobedient as well. I love you. Thank you for the good day. I want to thank you on behalf of our church for just showing up, your presence that's been in the place, our visitors with us, our members, the young people, all the folks that are here tonight, and those that are unable but they're online. Thank you for them. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet, and if you need to come, we'll have a verse for you. Are you ready? Ready for every good work. Brother Reed.